first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California. And today, we will be having Jerry interview producer of Alibaba, Cynthia Shung. Hey guys, this is Jerry Ors reporting for Kids First. Now, I hope everyone is staying safe, but we have a very special guest today. Her name is Cynthia Shung. She is a director, a writer, a producer, a development executive. I love the name of that, development executive. I want to talk more about that. But she's extremely accomplished. She's made shows. She's made movies. She's worked for amazing studios like MTV, VH1, Fox Network, Warner Brothers, and most recently, she's working with Alibaba. Cynthia, thank you so much for being on today. How are you doing today? Sure. Thank you, Jerry. I'm doing great. As great as you can be being at home. (laughs) Absolutely. Very true. Now, the first question I want to ask is, like I mentioned, right now you're working with Alibaba, the Chinese company. So can you talk a little bit about your day-to-day role? You're an executive producer, and I feel like everyone knows that the executive producer position exists, but basically only executive producers know what actually that job entails. So could you talk a little bit about what your day-to-day life is like at Alibaba? Yeah, Alibaba is like uh, China's Amazon, and they are doing programming through their distribution, which is Yoku in China. And they began their first production company in Los Angeles uh, last uh, about almost two years ago now. And I have been working with launching the Writers Room uh, on their very first series that's written in America for a Chinese audience. And I think you were talking about the executive producer, and um, that's a title that is given to a number of people. And I have to say, everyone does something a little different. For me, with this series, what I'm doing is launching the writer's room, uh, working with writers, getting everyone to, to work on it from a series perspective, and to get everyone on a proper writing rotation and schedule. Hmm. Now, you mentioned getting everything together for the writer's room for the series. Now, of course, film and TV are two different mediums, especially in the writing, because in TV, writing is a very, very powerful department. In film, not so much. In writing, they are royalty. So can you talk a little bit about what it is different in terms of the business side? How is it different between film and television? Yeah, film is very uh, much focused on one particular film at a time. So you're not shooting two films together with the same crew or the same writers or the same directors, for example. And you usually will do that under a large studio and that that will all be done with a, a large you know, schedule that can uh, move around if you're not going to hit a particular time frame for for a part of the film, you can you have more flexibility with that. In television, though, you don't have as much flexibility because if you go to air, for example, you really can't go to to an hour worth of black. So you have to have something ready. Also, in the day, uh, in uh, this this, uh, time of streaming, you do have a little more flexibility, but even so, you're always working on multiple episodes all at once. So you're writing them all, more or less together with different writers, sometimes, sometimes the same. And so it's just, a, it's sort of a larger project that goes over a lot, a longer period of time when you're doing series. 
Hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of TV shows that does that make running. sense? It does. It does. <laughs> there's been a lot of TV shows that have been running for decades. I'm sure our audience knows a few of them. So it is very true what you say about timelines. Now, in terms of restraints, although TV can be restraining, what is even more restraining is children's content because of the audience you have to target it for and what you have to build for. So, how is it different working for children's content and for adult content? That's a great question. For children's content, often you have an area at the network called Broadcast Standards and Practices, uh, BSNP for short, and they are a part of the network that will oversee language, actions, um, storylines that are appropriate for children or not appropriate for children. So there is oversight on those storylines a little bit more so than you would have for an adult series. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, if you have a series that has advertising, then there is a little bit more eyes on that as well, because advertisers may not be so happy if something slips through the cracks and in their eyes is not appropriate for children. Um, on the adult side, it depends a little bit in terms of if you are doing something uh, on a cable channel, for example, or streaming service versus a network. The networks have advertisers, which means that there will be a little bit more um, of an of a issue of will this be okay with the advertisers or not versus streaming um, or cable, which has a little bit less of those regulation issues to deal with. Hmm. You know, for most people, in terms of thing of audience and thing of restrictions, it ends there. But for you specifically, it goes a step further because you also have to think about the cultural differences since you are working with both Chinese and American overheads and audiences. So how do you balance the two cultural differences? Because as much as we'd like to think it, China and United States do have a lot of cultural differences most people don't notice. Yeah, absolutely. With this series with Alibaba, there is the, the thinking is it's first and foremost for a Chinese audience. And the storytelling is very different uh, to me, who grew up in America and has only done American television up until this point. Um, The Chinese audience, uh, the storytelling, if I compare it, is a little bit slower paced. They like to draw out emotion a little bit more. They don't. It's it's not as um, it's not as an issue if something goes over a little bit in time, so long as they address the proper parts that they would like to. There are certain aspects of a young person's life that they pay a, a larger attention to. So, for example, we can't portray a very young girl. Um, getting married and having children, it has to be above a certain age. So it's things like that that we've had to be very attentive to. That's really interesting because, you know, day-to-day lives in the United States, we don't notice what's culturally unique to us. And I'm sure that's the same for Chinese people as well. They don't notice what's normal for them until they see something that's different. And then that's when things start happening. So I'm sure that's a big, big struggle. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. And right now, we are having Jerry interview Alibaba producer Cynthia Shung. And speaking of movie worlds, those are becoming very common. I'm sure the audience knows what I'm talking about. They're becoming so common that it seems like movies are going into a TV realm where it's just a series of movies and these overarching plots lasting decades. And on the other side, TV is becoming more like films. I mean, when you watch HBO's uh, shows and uh, Showtime and Netflix, they're becoming more and more like movies. So how do you think TV and film are going to continue to blend in the future? 
Yeah, they kind of have crossed over a lot. When I um, start, I know that one of your questions was about when I when I started my career, I have to say it was very different. And um, even actors who did film didn't want to do TV back then and vice versa. Now, yes, television is really where there's so much of a focus. And a lot of that is the business model for it, which is another part that often, you know, new writers or creators don't don't always think as much about. But um, there's a lot more money to be had in series creation at this point. It's it's a harder area to uh, to get the bang for the buck on a feature, which is also why you have to have these big tentpole movies like the Marvel movies, because those will almost guarantee a large audience. But if uh, you, you're making just a one-off movie of characters that are brand new that people aren't as familiar with, then it's harder to make money at the box office these days. Hmm. And we can see that from our Zoom communicating, right? People are watching things from home. They're watching things from their laptops, from all different screens. And that kind of, walk of viewing is really, um, is really better with, street, with series and television streaming, et cetera, as well as we're binge watching, right? So we're sitting around watching eight hours of something that we probably shouldn't be. But anyway, so, you know, the binge watching culture is also taking over for sure. As someone who just binge watching an eight hour show on Netflix, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> now, speaking of our situation as the uh, well-eyed audience members may have noticed we are currently on Zoom. This is not an in-person interview. And you are actually writing a mini-series about what's going on in the world with the coronavirus-19 situation. So how do you tackle that subject? Because COVID-19 is something that's reaching all across the globe, going back to China. It's going from China to United States to Russia to everywhere on Earth. How do you take from that a single storyline to follow? Yeah, the approach at the moment is as a mini-series. It always has been for that reason. It started in January when um, I actually have a former student from Wuhan and his parents were quarantined and we started talking about this. He's also a development executive. And then I brought in a journalist and we all started to work together and we decided to sort of divide and conquer and we were dividing up storylines. Um, the we don't have a third act yet. We we may, may not have even reached the midpoint just yet for certain areas. But the hope is that we will portray different storylines from different parts of the world and integrate it all together and hopefully portray a lot of different stories going on um, about what, what we're all experiencing right now. Hmm. You know, I really like that because I felt when the news started coming out that we were more like a community now as a society, as a global society. You can start feeling what people in Wuhan are feeling, even if you're here in Los Angeles, because it's impacting us all. We're all in this together. And I love that the miniseries reflects that. Now, speaking of being all in it together, the film industry is definitely going through a very unique situation right now with COVID-19. Productions are basically impossible in this situation. And when no production is happening, it's really hard to even have a film industry. So how do you think the industry will adapt to this new lifestyle under COVID-19? Uh, it's it's a really great question. It's still unfolding. I can tell you what I am seeing. I'm seeing a lot of people furloughed. I'm seeing a lot of people moving what they can home to work. Um, I have family members who are in the industry and we're all moving things home to be able to do what we can. But you're right about productions are halted. There's no, there isn't a safe place in the, in the globe right now on the planet to really be shooting. Um, but I'll tell you what I think will probably happen is 
Uh, for example, what we're doing right now, there is a development executive or two or three somewhere around that's thinking of exactly something like, gee, how can we make a series with something like Zoom? How can we make a series with what's going on in the world and use technology to do that? So there will be a changing way that we tell stories. There always has been. Anytime technology or what is happening in the world has come into play, the creative minds such as yourselves uh, will be coming into it all and deciding, well, gee, I could make a series with using Zoom right now. I could do a, re a reality series about what's going on with my whole family if I wanted to. So I do think there will be different types of shows and movies. They'll just be, they're just brewing right now in, in, in creative minds. Hmm. You know, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of amazing film festivals going on right now where people are so creative making 30 second, one minute shorts just to get the creative juices flowing, as they say. Now, one last question I want to ask you before we go on to opening it to all our film critics is that something that a lot of people still struggle with while under this situation is being productive, being creative. So for people who are trying to still be productive or even our fellow kids first members, we have five other critics on the call today. What tips would you give them to still be able to be productive, be creative, and, uh, you know, keep developing themselves in many ways despite the COVID-19 situation? You know, this is, in my mind, this is an ideal situation to be creative. The, the uh, Anything in life that has sort of, uh, restri sort of restrictions, even if you had a production that had restrictions, that is when the most creative parts of our minds come out. And I think there's some great storytelling that is brewing in people's minds right now. And um, so I think it's a great time to hone in on storytelling skills, learning how to write the uh, how to write a screenplay, learning the craft of screenplay writing, um, and also things like learning the craft of using a video camera, learning the craft of editing. So much of that has to be done at home anyway, um, or you know, is learned a lot on our own at home. So I think it's really a great time to hone in on those skills. Let's take a break. I'm Cliff Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Octonauts Ocean Adventure. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you satisfied with your life? Do you know that more should be possible? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready for a show about possibilities? Are you tired of boundaries and limitations and ready for expansion and growth? Then tune in and spend some time with Dr. Rebecca Huey, host of Mastermind. 
Dr. Rebecca provides a stimulating, encouraging environment designed to help you develop emotional intelligence, resilience, and the self-awareness necessary to create positive, long-lasting change. Listen every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking with Alibaba producer Cynthia Shung, and next we will be continuing with Cynthia Shung in a Q&A. Hey guys, this is Jerry Ors. Like I mentioned, we have seven, not five, excuse me, amazing, amazing film critics who have a lot of questions themselves. So first, we're going to start out with Tiana. Tiana, go ahead and ask your question. All right, so my question is, in your own words, what makes a great pitch versus a great series? A great pitch, and if you're talking about an in-person pitch, it really is so much about what will get me to connect to your piece. So I'm your audience, I'm the person listening, and if you can bring into that pitch room something that will allow me as a human being to connect, often it's the human part of the storytelling. Uh, Sometimes when people come into pitch, they spend so much time on setting up the series that they're forgetting that I really want to know about your characters. I really want to be able to empathize with those characters, relate to them, connect to them, and remember them. And so all of that is what I think makes a great pitch. Um, A great series is something that has really been thought out well. I don't need to know the entire series in a pitch. I just need to know the key points of it. Um, And if you've thought out your series, if you put the work into writing, whether it be a pilot script and, you know, a series Bible, um, that really is going to show me that you put the thought and the time into developing a series. Thank you. That was a really great question. Thank you so much for Tiana. Our next question comes from Catherine. Catherine, go ahead. Hello. Uh, my question is, your bio quote is listed as luck is a residual of hard work. Was there a moment in your career that you that made you realize this? Yes. Uh, and that's a great question. Um, and I believe that was put into my bio when I did feel that. I had heard a lot in college, oh, hard work is always pays off. But I 
like most people struggled in the beginning, really felt like I was putting in so much um, hard work, but I wasn't seeing necessarily the results that I had hoped for. I think I was just a little impatient. Um, but one of the things I needed to do was I was living in New York City and I needed to say to myself, if I really wanted to be a producer and if I and, and director writer, if I really wanted to do this um, with narrative storytelling, I needed to move to I needed to move to Los Angeles and I was I had no one in LA I didn't have a job waiting for me and I just decided you know what I'm gonna do it and so it was that that moment when I made the move um, I never and never turned back because the second I got here um, the doors kept opening and opening and that was when I realized you know what that was the hard that the last little bit of hard work I needed to push my career forward Catherine, thank you for the question. And you make a great point. And I think that's really inspirational, really important for our audience to hear that hard work is a big, big part of it. Our next question comes from Zoe. Zoe, go ahead. Hi, so I know you kind of already touched on this, but how do you think storytelling will change um, after this pandemic? Do you think stories are going to be more personal and heartfelt and maybe crews that maybe they're going to decrease in size? Hmm. I think you know I love that question and the instructor in me thinks that I need to turn that around to all of you you all are the the storytellers of tomorrow and you are living through this pandemic and to me I would want to know what your thoughts on storytelling might be from this moment in history forward however I will try to answer your question of what I think, I think stories will hopefully get more personal, more uh, human, more about the human experience. They have storytelling of late in feature films have gotten so much about the special effects, so much about the big budgets. I'm not saying I don't enjoy those movies, but it is. Uh, it does feel like there aren't as many right now that are, are more heartfelt, closer to uh, the human experience day in and day out. So that's where I hope the storytelling goes. But I would ask all of you to think about that because I hope that all of you will present some great stories going forward. Thank you so much, Zoe. You guys definitely make some really good points. It's going to be so interesting to see what happens in the next coming months. Our next question is from Celine. Go ahead, Celine. Well, how do you make writing personal and still tell someone else's story? Mm, that's a good question. I and when um, when I think about that, the first thing thought I have is when I'm writing characters that I have a hard time relating to. I often struggle with writing male characters because I'm not a man. <laughs> so I find myself turning to friends and asking them, well, what would you say in this instance? Or what, how would you feel at this moment? So that helps me a lot. But that's part of my process. Uh, others, other people I know don't struggle as much uh, in that regard. And uh, can you know can come up with dialogue or storylines easily for for characters, however they might be um, different from themselves. Um, also, for me, I feel like I go into observer mode um, when I'm writing. Depending on what it is, I will naturally become more quiet in my personal life, and I will just be observing the world. And I find that that helps me a lot to be able to bring out those characters. Thank you. That was very helpful. Thank you for asking. 
These are some amazing, amazing questions. I love these questions. And our next question comes from Jordan. Jordan, what's your question? Hi. So I read in your bio that you worked on, I think it was the real world. So I guess my question is, how do you think reality television has sort of changed over time? Hmm. That's a very interesting question. Reality, when I was doing it on a regular basis, was much more about, let's just shoot this and see what we've got. <laughs> because it was the early days of reality. We hadn't figured it out just yet. So the casting was important. It still is. We were trying to think about what would work, but we had we didn't have the practice just yet to know exactly what would work back then. Nowadays, people have a much better idea of what works, and casting is still very important. But it's also about the um, the those things that really please an audience. I don't know if real world could be made as the, the way it was today um, because it was about four or to five relatively you know everyday people and uh, nowadays if you notice a lot of these shows are about larger than life people so you've got you know the real housewives or you've got the Kardashians or you know they're a little bit larger than life and I, I, that's why I wonder if, if we did something about four or five teenagers or something where they're just living their life, if that would really play as well as it did years ago. Catherine, what's your next question? You're a successful writer, producer, and director. Is there one of these that has a bigger influence on the other two? That's an interesting question. There's a saying in uh, Hollywood that the you're that there is no boss, the show is the boss. And um, very often, I think, uh, for me, I think it depends. On, well, let's see. I came up the ranks more as a, a producer. And, uh, and that kind of allowed me a certain amount of oversight so I could be exposed to a lot of writers and directors. I think that really did help a lot in shaping the way I, I then, you know, more so took on more roles as director and writer. So I'm going to answer your question by saying producer. <laughs> um, and because I got to work with such great, you know, writers, directors, and, and so many other talented people. And as a result of that, I think that really impacted a lot of how I ended up evolving more into directing and writing. Thank you. Now we are sadly running out of time, but Jordan, one more question for you. Go ahead, Jordan. Um, so I know you worked on Young Hercules, the TV, the television show. So I just kind of wanted to know what that was sort of like. Oh, it was fantastic. It was, uh, it's a show I'm, Still always, um, you know, kind of uh, really, really put together with as almost an identity. And I guess it is my identifying series that most people bring up, which I love. It was a fantastic series. We had the best people, uh, the best team. It was um, a fantastic group of people. And I'm sure most most of you know that Ryan Gosling starred in it. So uh, Ryan was very young and um, he just stood out as such a potent actor. And so um, the series was long to shoot. We, for myself, because I was on it from the beginning through, from the writing process, through production, through post. 
And um, so that was a, a longer schedule for me. Um, but overall, it really was a defining show for me in many ways. It made me feel like I could do anything. It really did. It, it gave me the confidence to feel like I, if I could push through that series, I, I could do anything. <laughs> and boy, was I wrong when I had my kids. But anyway, thank that's you. beside the point. <laughs> Well, Cynthia, thank you so much for talking to all of us about your career and your many lessons. I think we've all taken something from this to think about our in our own lives. And before I close it, I just want to give the opportunity for all our amazing film critics and me myself to say thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see your names and lights in just a few few short years, maybe even sooner. <laughs> well, thank you so much. For our audience, make sure to check out the amazing work that Cynthia is doing, as well as stay tuned for the COVID-19 mini-series she is working on, as well as the Alibaba series she is working on, which is going to be announced in 2020. I'm your host, Jerry Orr, signing off. Let's take a break. I'm Cliff Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Octonauts Ocean Adventure. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you satisfied with your life? Do you know that more should be possible? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready for a show about possibilities? Are you tired of boundaries and limitations and ready for expansion and growth? Then tune in and spend some time with Dr. Rebecca Huey, host of Mastermind. Dr. Rebecca provides a stimulating, encouraging environment designed to help you develop emotional intelligence, resilience, and the self-awareness necessary to create positive, long-lasting change. Listen every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking with Cynthia Shung, and next we're here having an interview with three of the actors and the showrunner of the CW show Arrow, which is now on its eighth and final season. I'm here with uh, Katie Cassidy playing Black Canary, Juliana J also playing Black, uh, Juliana Harkavi. I got confused because it's the screen name, but that's the <laughs> real name. <laughs> okay, well, Juliana Harkavi also playing Black Canary, Catherine McNamara playing both Black Star and Green Arrow, and Beth Schwartz, the showrunner. How are, how are you all doing today? Great, thank you. Quite well, just, you know, quarantining and keeping motivated. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So since the show has oh, is almost coming to an end, uh, what are your guys' feelings on that? Because, you know, eight seasons, eight years, that's a lot of time. Hmm. Um, well, I think it's, it's bittersweet. Um, it's, it's been such an incredible, you know, eight years and it's been such a wonderful, amazing journey. And, you know, I'm so grateful for all of it. It's also really exciting because, um, of the potential spinoff, uh, which is, it, you know, in a way it adds to the story, but it also is fresh and, you know, you don't necessarily had to have watched Arrow in order to come into this show, which, which is nice. Um, so it's exciting. It's, it's, it's fun. And, and I hope we get picked up. Yeah. And you know, having coming into the show or having come into the show in season seven, I knew what a legacy the show already had and, you know, being able to jump in and, and being so welcomed by Beth and everyone else and being given such a, a highly anticipated character to bring to life that's based off of two characters that have such a rich history on their own and together. It's been such a journey and, and such a wonderful ride, but you know, we're so grateful to the cast and crew and also to the fans for finishing out this journey with us. Yeah. The end has been for me bittersweet, but uh, ultimately I think we ended in a really great place. We kind of went out with the bang. Uh, you know, we didn't wait to fizzle out. We went while we still had momentum. And like Katie just said, you know, this prospect of a, of the show continuing in a, in a way um, makes it a little bit easier and keeps it really exciting. Yeah, I agree with everything that they said. <laughs> um, I've been there since the beginning, and um, it's been such an incredible experience. And working with all these amazing actors and the crew and the writers, um, and uh, very proud of of how we ended the show. Mm. Yeah, that's good to hear because you know it's also really important that a show has like a natural conclusion because I know that's an issue that a lot of TV shows end up with. Um, 
Katie, you mentioned a spinoff, which I've actually also heard about when doing research for this interview. Do you think you can tell us a little bit about the spinoff as much as you can, considering there's probably a contract or something? I was, yeah. It was part of um, season eight, episode nine, and it is an incredible, fun, you know, filled with action, female, strong, three, you know, female women, um, kicking ass, which we love, and, you know, it, it's fresh, but I think it's interesting because it's set in the future, and it's interesting to see where these characters, what's happened to them also in between this time and this space and how they get to where they're at now, and I just think it's another, you know, platform for more stories to be told, and, um, you know, like I keep saying fresh, but it did, like, after it aired to me, it felt really fresh, really fun, and the fans really seemed to love it, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, we had a lot of fun shooting it. You know, it, it provides a lot for all of our characters to do moving forward after the crisis on Infinite Earths with the whole reset of the world. And, you know, given each of us has a, an end and a beginning within this. You know, with Mia, she's got now two sets of memories, two lives that she's lived and two sets of instincts that she's now combining and, and learning how to expand her tool set even farther. Mm. That's nice to hear. Oh, I was just going to say, I think for me, like, what makes it so special is, um, I know in season seven, we found, you know, with the introduction of Kat's character, and then um, in our present day story, we just found, for the first time, I think, on the show, how well the scenes with all our women were, and, and there was something super special about it, that it took a long time for, and I remember, I can't remember if it was Katie or Julian or someone, or it could have been Emily, um, who had texted me saying, this is the first time all three of us have been in a scene together without any of the guys. And I was like, what? Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> and I was really proud of it. And um, the fans seemed to really like that. And I think that's also something that's been off. Um, we explored just all these female relationships and they're running the show now, which, which I love. Mm. That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> I love that there's all ladies here. Yeah. I know, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to Arrow a little bit, um, you know, since it's the final season, I was wondering if there are any up and coming projects, aside from the spinoff, which we've already talked about, like, do you guys have anything new planned um, after this? I um, I actually am going to be, well, at some point, directing my first film. Oh! Yeah! Um, which I'm really excited about. I haven't really, we haven't given away too much information yet, um, but it's a raunchy comedy, and uh. um, it takes, I could say, it's called Daddy Issues, um, <laughs> and I plan to be shooting here in Los Angeles, and well, I don't know when. <laughs> Mark. Well. <laughs> Right after Arrow wrapped up, I actually stayed in Vancouver for a while and shot a miniseries for Stephen King's The Stand. Mm. So that should be, we finished shooting before the quarantine happened, so it's supposed to come out later this year, which um, it's such a, the production is so fantastic, and just as a, as a Stephen King fan, I think people will appreciate it. Mm. Um, I have been growing a vegetable garden. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have many arugula. <laughs> Do you have any plans for that vegetable garden? <laughs> any plans? Yes, I'm going to film them all as they grow and release them on YouTube. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I will be watching that. Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> joined by millions, I'm sure. <laughs> actually, I would watch that. I, mean, I actually would watch that too. I've been thinking of, actually, I'm gonna. I'll call you Audrey because I I've been thinking of, of putting a little vegetable garden in our backyard. Yes, and I started uh, herbs. I just threw some mint. So you, I want to yeah. learn. Too. So can we do this for real? Yes, yes, yes. It's, yes, it's been so healing. It really, it's, it's therapeutic, yeah. right? It's very therapeutic. I, yeah, it's very oh, grounding. Yeah, ladies, vegetable garden. You don't have <laughs> store anymore. No. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys so much for talking to me about this. This was very fun. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for having us on Zoom. Yeah. And it's also nice to just like talk about something like something DC Comics related because I love DC Comics so much. Like, Anytime, Harlan. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Well. I will see you all later. Awesome. Stay safe, everybody. Yeah, stay safe. Yes. Bye. 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 If you like this, make sure to check out the Kids First website and, of course, all the other Kids First reporters. Let's take a break. I'm Calissa Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Octonauts Ocean Adventure. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you satisfied with your life? Do you know that more should be possible? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready for a show about possibilities? Are you tired of boundaries and limitations and ready for expansion and growth? Then tune in and spend some time with Dr. Rebecca Huey, host of Mastermind. Dr. Rebecca provides a stimulating, encouraging environment designed to help you develop emotional intelligence, resilience, and the self-awareness necessary to create positive, long-lasting change. Listen every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and we have a very, very special guest. She is Alexis Jang, and she is a new film critic at Kids First. Alexis, thanks so much for being here. Now, my first question for you, Alexis, is can you tell us uh, what city you're from and how old you are? I live in the city, Palos Verdes, and I'm nine years old. I love Palos Verdes. It is so, so beautiful. If anyone listening has a chance to visit, check it out. It's a really amazing community. Now, Alexis, being a Kids First film critic is an amazing experience, but it requires a passion for cinema, a passion for movies. So what was your story to become a Kids First film critic? Why did you want to join the team? Well, so I see all these reporters out there, like they seem so happy when they're enjoying their time. And I love being on camera and telling people what I think. So I love telling people about my opinions. And at my school, everybody asks since usually I'm the one at my school who always gets the tickets first to see movies. And they always ask me like, oh, should I see this movie? Oh, well, what's about this movie? Like, and my teachers would ask, oh, is this movie good enough? And, well, I would like to tell more people and help more people with movies and find out what these are best for them. That's something I really loved about Kids First, too, because you get to do a lot of fun things, but you're also kind of doing your service. You can say, hey, if you want to be entertained, if you want to learn something, this movie's best for you. So I'm glad that you have that goal. Now, you just went through a very wonderful training by the wonderful Randy Levy, who trains all of us and allows Kids First to run smoothly and exist beautifully as it does. So could you talk a little bit about what you learned in your official Kids First Film Critic training? Okay. Well, Miss, Mrs. Ranny, she told me about the cast, about what you do in Kids First, and she told me how to review stuff, and it was really exciting for her to teach me. It really is. I still remember my experience of being trained, and it just definitely changes your perspective of how you look at films. Now, speaking of how you look at films, this is going to be the most challenging question you're ever going to get here. What's your favorite film? My favorite film it's probably Sonic the Hedgehog. Are you talking about the new one? Yes. I haven't seen it. Tell me a little bit about it. Why do you love it? Well, it's very, it's hilarious. And the characters, they have such a unique personality. Like yeah. Sonic, he like talks fast, he goes everywhere, and he doesn't listen. But it's very exciting going, whenever I see it, it's like going on an adventure with them. It makes it seem so real. It definitely is, and I really love that about films. They really can go into the characters of, of characters you didn't really even think had personalities, and it shows them and builds them, and they're so funny and so amazing, and they're just so lovable. I mean, you see Sonic, you just want to give him a big hug. <laughs> now, at Kids First, we do a lot more than just review films. We do this, we do the radio show, we do the uh, events related to films like premieres and uh, press junkets. So what 
specifically are you most looking forward to at Kids First? Well, I really want to walk the red carpet. It's one of my big goals in the bucket list. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. You know, when I first did the red carpet, my first big red carpet event was, I believe, the Lone Ranger. It's definitely a really interesting world, and it's cool once you get into it and start learning about everything about that world. It's like a whole separate universe from outside the red carpet, and it's just a lot of fun to be on it. But thank you so much for being on and talking with us, Alexis. I can't wait to see all the amazing reviews and coverages that you produce for kids first, and hope to talk to you more in the future. Thank you, and I really wish I could meet you too. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I'm sure you'll have the opportunity to very soon. For our audience, make sure to stay tuned for the many, many amazing reviews Alexis will create. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking with one of our new film critics, and next we will be talking with Sosa about Flugel's Investigation Station. How are you doing, Sosa? Um, I'm doing good. All right. So, can you tell us a little bit about this DVD? Is it a TV show? It's a mini-series. It only has about six episodes. Oh, I see. Can you tell us a little bit about the plot of this DVD? It's about a group of three flugel, flugels, if I'm saying that right. Um, and they, every time in each episode, they learn something new. It, like, varies between a few different things. It, like, in one episode, it's, like, sleepovers, and in some epi in another episode, it's, like, um, space and, like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So since there aren't as many episodes as in a regular TV show, still, what was your favorite episode of this DVD? I have to say my favorite episode is probably episode three because I thought it was interesting how one could not know what, like, laundry was because it's something that we use every day to clean our clothes because, like, we wear clothes every day. So how are the characters in this? Uh, they're fun. They're new. I've never, ha like, seen anything like them, especially Boomer because he's so small and his voice is so squeaky and he has such a high personality. I'm really impressed with Harold Harrison, who did the voice of Boomer. How was the animation? Oh, it's great. There's no glitching. It's up to date. And, I mean, I prefer it in any movie. So, what was your favorite scene out of the episodes in this DVD? Probably from episode three, when they all jumped into the laundry chute, and they all, like, landed in the dirty clothes basket. I thought it was funny, because they didn't know that that was going to happen, and it was a huge surprise for them. Would you say that this DVD is funny? Oh, yes, for sure. What was one of your favorite jokes? I don't know. There were plenty, plenty. Well, I guess that's more uh, to the testament of the DVD if, if you're saying that there are so many good jokes so you can't decide a favorite. Yeah. I thought it was funny in the um, in episode one, the sleepover episode. Um, they're at a sleepover and they had grapes. And they didn't really know what they were, so they were, like, eating them and joking around with them. I think Boomer put one inside of his ear, and I thought that was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. So, from looking up this DVD and looking at images of it, it seems that, like, this series takes on a very unique art style. We've already talked about that a little bit in the animation. 
But I just want to know, like, how is sort of, like, the world building in the sets in the DVD? It's interesting because they, they're an animated group of aliens, but they take place in, like, a human world. So I thought that that was very cool and interesting. I see. And how was the cinematography in the CVD? Oh, they did a good job. There wasn't, like, any glitching in the characters. They really blended it well. Like, you could hardly even tell that they were animated apart from, like, the actual, like, real world. Like, they didn't make it stand out too much, and I thought that that was unique and new. Well, that's interesting to hear. You mentioned earlier that this series mostly focuses on uh, morality tales, so can you tell, tell us a little bit more about the morals that this show teaches? It teaches that every day you learn something new and that you're never done learning. Even if you think that you know everything, you really don't. And uh, how was the music in the DVD? It was good, and I liked the fact that it like didn't have like a bunch of words and stuff. It was just basic music, which I thought went well with the theme and scene. And so finally, what would you give this DVD in terms of star rating and age rating? Oh, I'd give it a 5 out of 5 because there isn't anything to dislike about it. And I'd recommend it for ages 5 to 12 because it is more of a kitty one, but it's still really good. Well, thank you for talking to me today, Sosa. Thank you for interviewing me. Of course. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First film critic team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworlds.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Octonauts Ocean Adventure. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye! Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week.